What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S FantasyBB on Twitter. That's where we post all of our new podcasts, articles, our news and notes. We share out some things that our writers put out on Twitter sometimes from that account as well. Everything that we got going on on the baseball side, guys, you need to be following Ethos Fantasy BB. And if you're not on Twitter, understandable, you guys can go check out sportsethos.com and get links to those same podcasts and articles. I do recommend that you subscribe to this pod and the different podcasts we got going on here at Sports Ethos so you don't have to go searching for links every day. It is a much easier way to go about things. I listen to a lot of podcasts. The ones that I like, I subscribe to. If you enjoy this show, I'd really appreciate you guys downloading. And if I could you know, ask for a little bit more here on this Monday... Leave us a five-star review if you can. It really helps the show grow. It helps more people to see us. It really just does wonders for the algorithm. So download, subscribe, five stars, all that great stuff. If you guys can, I'd really appreciate it. We're going to be talking about some news and notes today, a couple of bits of information, mostly uh, injury-related we're going to talk about. And then we're going to go over some notes that I've put out today on Twitter. We're going to be talking about some nice ads who are rostered in less than 50% of Yahoo leagues. And that generally means that they're rostered in less than 50% of most leagues. Whatever you see on Yahoo, it's typically lower on ESPN. Fantrax is a lot of dynasty, so it's hard to really compare there. And NFBC is, is a completely different ball game. But generally, I think a lot of people play on Yahoo and ESPN. We're going to be talking about some players who are very widely available in those formats as well. And then I'm going to highlight a streamer that I really, really like for later this week as well. Let's start off, though. Like I usually mention here when we go through news and notes, it's typically injury-related. It's not typically the best news. And we're going to start off with kind of a sad one. Liam Hendricks is going, or he's already been put uh, on the injured list. He's got elbow inflammation in his pitching arm. This is not good. Um, But apparently, I don't think it's going to be that bad. Uh, now, it's similar to what he had last year, a flexor strain that he had last year, but it's still too soon for like an exact diagnosis, uh, according to general manager Rick Hahn. They're going to be giving a further evaluation tomorrow, and we're going to see exactly how bad this is. Now, <clears throat> I saw some people drop Liam Hendricks. He went down into the 60s on Yahoo. He was about 72% rostered as of last week. He's at 67 right now. I think it's a little bit premature. Now, it depends on your situation. If you have a ton of closers and Liam Hendricks was kind of a luxury guy for you, maybe I understand it. I still don't think he should be dropped yet. I still think generally when you have this kind of news, you know, similarly to Chris Sale, it might end up being bad. But until we really know the extent of how bad or serious the injury is, I don't think you can be dropping a guy with such high upside. I really am a huge fan of Liam Hendricks. I know that he's not been that great since he's come back. He's got one save, he's got two victories, 540 ERA, but we're only talking about five inning sample size here. It's not really even close to enough to judge him on. If you can, I would be trying to hold on to him. The shallower the format, the easier the cut, obviously, but I think pretty much anywhere, you got to be holding on. There were some people in the NFBC last night when when Fab ran who dropped Liam Hendricks. You, you can see some drops. I wasn't a ton of people, but there were certain leagues where Liam Hendricks was sent back to the waiver wire in 15 teamers. I think that's... Honestly, a little premature, especially in a league or in a format that's that deep, 15-team leagues with deep rosters. I don't know that a guy like Liam Hendricks is expendable just yet. It might turn out that way. We might end up getting bad news here that Hendricks is going to be shut down again and he'll miss a bunch of time or whatever. But I, I don't know that it's prudent to be dropping him before we really know what the news is. And a lot of people have dropped him, regardless of what your format is. 5%. 
on on Yahoo, that's a lot. Like even just today, we're talking about twenty three hundred leagues that have dropped him. It was more yesterday. It was more the day before. Uh, it's. I think it's too soon. I, I really think it's too soon to be making any kind of judgments like that on Hendricks before we have a, a full picture of what exactly we're dealing with here. So hold on, if you can, to Liam Hendricks. Jorge Polanco, this one is a little bit easier for me. Now, he was sent back to the injured list. When did they put him back on there? It was Saturday. Now, this is the same injury that he had earlier in the season, I believe. Uh, it was Yeah, it was literally 10 days uh, after he was activated from the aisle before with a hamstring strain. It's the exact same muscle that he's injured here. Now, according to Rocco Baldelli, their manager, it's somewhat more severe. Exact timeline, we don't know yet. I'm okay to drop Jorge Polanco, the fact that he's been so injured this season. When he's been out there, he's not been bad. He's batting 250, five homers. He's got a steal. He's been all right when he's been out there, but he just hasn't been out there nearly enough to, to really be somebody that I think will be an impact bat the rest of the season, especially the way this is looking. I think it might be an extended absence. Again, I, the typical usual, uh, the, the usual injury advice that I give is if you have room on the IL, it doesn't really hurt to throw anybody on there. But I don't know that Jorge Polanco is really going to be worth it. I don't know if that upside is really high enough. Where with a guy like Liam Hendricks, he comes back and he is healthy, hypothetically. You're looking at somebody who could give you 15, 20 saves down the stretch and really be a huge, huge asset. <clears throat> I, I just don't see that from Polanco. The Twins lineup has been okay. They're, they're not great. I know they are the first team in the American League Central. They have a 500 record, by the way. But they're 23rd in hits. They're 24th in batting average. They're 7th in home runs. That's really the only category they've been excelling in is hitting home runs. I just don't see Polanco coming back in this lineup and really giving you that much to write home about. The deeper, league, the, deeper the leagues are, the more I'd be inclined to hold them. But I think it's, it's a pretty easy cut for me. Uh, especially considering the state of injuries. with I mean, my ILs are all completely packed up. I don't know about you guys, but it's be pretty rare to have a team where you have even one IL spot available at this point of the season, let alone for somebody like Jorge Polanco, who's a little more fringy, I think, than we want to admit. Last year was a down year. I mean, he, he did have a great year in 2021. Last year was bad. This year just hasn't been able to stay healthy. I'm okay with cutting him. He's still rostered in 42% of Yahoo leagues. It's a fairly high number, and I do understand wanting to hold out hope. Second base is a pretty scarce position generally. If you drafted him and you were trying to like you know go through the waiver wire and find a replacement, it's not the easiest task, especially in the deeper leagues. If you're talking in a 15-team league, but I think most people, like we've talked about here on the show many times, you're playing in 10, you're playing in 12-team leagues. I don't know that he is really going to cut it. In those leagues, you do have replacement level value available on the waiver wire. We're going to talk about one second baseman in particular who I really like, uh, who you can definitely pick up there. But if you're just looking at guys who are like 50% rostered or less, it's not a ton, but you got Jiwon Bay, you got Miguel Vargas, Hashan Kim, Mauricio Dubon. You know, there's, there are some guys, even Josh Rojas, who doesn't play every single day, but if you plug him in there against right-handed pitching, could be some value, especially in the Daily Change League. Luis Garcia for the Nationals. He's actually been quietly very productive. There are options. You guys do have options if you want to drop Polanco, and I think that is the most prudent move at this point to get rid of him. Let's talk Alec Bohm. Alec Bohm is back. He was activated off the IL. Was it yesterday? I believe it was yesterday he was activated. Yeah, and he is in the or he was in the lineup yesterday. Uh, he was 0 for 4. He batted fifth against the Dodgers. Now, when he first went on the IL, I said he was probably kind of a borderline hold. I think he's kind of this, you know, a borderline add. If you if you don't have him, he's available. He's seventy three percent rostered, which would lean more towards the must roster side of things. Most leagues, most competitive leagues, will have him. 
I'm not fully sold that he's going to have amazing fantasy value. I think he's you know a decent source of batting average. He can give you a few home runs. He started off pretty well this season. I just worry a little bit about you know how good he is actually going to be down the stretch fantasy wise. I don't know that he is going to contribute in that many categories that make him really that valuable. Now there are deeper leagues where obviously you have to have a guy like him on your roster. This is more again for the ten and twelve team crowd. I just don't know that in the middle of that lineup, which is you know, greatly underperformed this season that he's really going to give you enough counting stats to really make it worth your while. I mean, he's done pretty well with RBIs and batting average, but, you know, the power is not that great. The runs scored are going to be kind of iffy probably going forward, and I think RBIs will too. I mean, there's a decent chance that this team turns it around and we see a much better second half from them. They have the talent to do that. I just don't know that we're necessarily going to see that coming based on the way we've seen these guys performing so far this season. Kyle Schwarber is batting a buck 71. Trey Turner has underperformed greatly. Castellanos has been great, and Bryce Harper's been pretty good. Other than that, it's been a very disappointing offense, and I don't know that Alec Bohm moves the needle so much where you'd say, yeah, him being back is really going to do wonders for your team. I think that he's a fine play in a 12-team league. I don't think he's like somebody that you have to cut necessarily, but I think the upside is fairly limited. I think there are, you know, you can ride hot streaks. There are guys you can use in the streaming spots as opposed to Bowman. I, I, I honestly, I think I would lean towards doing that if you're in a shallower 10 or 12 team format. I think he can be a fine stay, a fine hold. I just think you got to keep your expectations in check a little bit for what we can expect from Alec Bohm as of right now. I don't know that the overall output is going to be really that conducive to an amazing fantasy season. Uh, he's fine, but I think that he is kind of unspectacular at the same time let's talk about a couple of notes that i made i put out earlier today on twitter let's talk about guys who are rostered in less than 50 percent of yahoo leagues that i think are very interesting let's start with brian abreu he's striking out nearly 40 percent of batters and brian abreu if you're unfamiliar i doubt many people are unfamiliar but he is a relief pitcher setup man high leverage situation guy for the houston astros 39.7 k percentage this season which is incredible a 171 ERA, a 101 whip. He gives you the odd win and save, and he's also given you a bunch of holds on the season as well. If you play in a saves plus holds league, he's been excellent. Uh, he is, according to Yahoo's rankings, inside the top 80 players for the season. The 50 strikeouts and 31 innings really does wonders there. He is somebody that I think is valuable, even if you're not in a holds league. I think he can be one of those relievers who is like an Andres Munoz type from last season. We've mentioned that kind of comp before because the guy who's not in a closing role, but he's still giving you incredible ratios, great strikeouts, the odd win, the odd save. I think that's Brian Abreu this year. I really think he is this year's Andres Munoz, and I think that the 43% of people who are rostering him would tend to agree. Now, he is still available in 57% of Yahoo leagues. He is a very high-priority ad for me, regardless of your format. Uh, you know, He's not somebody that's flying off the, off the wires. He's generally available, depending on your league. I think there's a lot of value in having him. He's essentially like a starting pitcher, like another starting pitcher on your team. He's not going to throw as many innings as your average starter, but if you look at like the last two weeks, seven innings, 11 strikeouts, 123 ERA, like you could just look at that as, you know, I got one start for my guy in the last two weeks. It's almost like having half of a good starter, half of a great starter almost, when you have a guy like Brian Abreu. And with the state of pitching, the way it is, oh man, I was listening to a podcast this morning. It was the FTN podcast with Matty Wood. He had Derek Carty on as his guest, Derek Carty, who is the creator of the bat and the bat X projection systems. He was talking about how the the league average ERA from according to his projections going forward 
for starting pitchers, I believe. I'm not sure if this is all pitchers or just starters, but it was like a 4-6 ERA is what the average is projected to be over the course of the season. So if you're able to get a guy who is pitching fairly consistently, giving you good strikeouts and ratios and everything else that goes along with Brian Abreu, I'd be very interested. I am very interested. I have him in a couple leagues. He is definitely a target of mine, the highest priority guy that is on this list right now. Now let's talk Trevor Story. I got a little bit of pushback on this when I tweeted out that he'll be back fairly soon, from what I understand. I said he'll be back soon, DH for Boston most likely, and he's a great stash option. Very simple, but you know what? I got some pushback on that. The last report we got before today, because there was one today actually, Uh, But the previous one was that there's a decent chance that he would return as a DH before he's cleared to be in the field, get him out there getting at bats before we were anticipating. And I think if you look at it, I think it's a good time to be stashing him before there is a huge frenzy of, you know, Trevor Story's back in a week, and then you see everybody going at him. This is kind of a get-ahead-of-the-curve kind of ad. There was actually another report today that he was playing catch. This was just a very recent one. I didn't even see this before I started recording, actually. Uh, He was playing catch from 120 feet today. So... Whether it is as a DH or putting him back in at second, short, whatever they decide to do with him, I think that we're looking at, like, within the next month, we're going to see Trevor Story. And it might not be the timeline that a lot of people want to see. And like I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of injuries, so it might be hard to stash him. But if you are able to, I think that he is one of the best stashes you could have right now in fantasy. You know, you look at what he did last year, and it was generally disappointing. It was like a, you know, he had 357 at-bats, not a full season. He batted 238. He had 16 homers and 13 stolen bases. He essentially did last year in, I'm not sure how many games that would have been, but he essentially did what you're kind of hoping for from like Ellie Dela Cruz down the stretch this season. That's pretty much what he gave you. Last year was 94 games. That's pretty much what you'd be hoping for at Ellie. If Ellie were to give you 16 and 13, I think you'd be very, very happy with that down the stretch. It'll probably be a little bit more. Uh, especially the steals, I think. But if he were to give you that, you'd be happy. That's essentially what you can maybe bank on with Trevor Story here. And it might be a little bit too strong of a word to say you can bank on it. But I think there's a decent chance Trevor Story comes back and he's given you similar production to what we've always seen from him. He's never been bad, especially from a fantasy point of view. I mean, he's declined a little bit these last couple of seasons. But he's always had fantasy relevance. You know, 2021, a bit of a tough year for him. 24 and 20. The year before that, the short season, 59 games. 11 and 15, 35 and 23, 37 and 27. He's not that guy anymore, but we got to remember, Trevor Story is literally, has he even turned 30 yet? He's, yeah, he just turned 30 at the end of last season. He is still pretty young. He is still capable of doing a lot from a fantasy point of view that I think is not really available on many waiver wires. Unless you're talking eight-team waiver wires, the upside of Trevor Story is very appealing if you are able to hold on. It might be a month. It might be six weeks. It might be two weeks. I I honestly don't know. I'm honestly not even sure the day he is eligible to return from the IL. But I do think that we're going to see him back sooner than later. And I think that he is one of the smarter stashes you could be making right now uh, for fantasy purposes. Ezekiel Tovar. He has been heating up over the last month. He's batting 292. He's got 22 runs in RBIs combined, which isn't amazing. But, you know, considering, you know, he's a smaller guy, he's not going to be a huge run producer. Generally, I mean, that's not the, the MO for him. Um, you know, not a huge run score or producer, but over the last month, you know, those 22 runs in RBIs, three homers, two stolen bases. Like I said, he's batting 292. I think he is worth a flyer in most formats. He's only 29% rostered on Yahoo for the season. He's got five homers, three steals. He's batting 253, fairly unremarkable, but I, I do think that we are seeing the kind of turnaround 
we're seeing the kind of production that I was hoping for before the season started. When I ranked him fairly highly, he was my pick before the season for NL Rookie of the Year. He was kind of like dark horse. Like I, I, I think when I put my official picks in, I picked Corbin Carroll. But he was like a dark horse for me as somebody who really, really has a decent chance of coming out of the woodwork. He actually might have been my pick, and Corbin Carroll might have been in a, a separate article or something like that. But Tovar's looking really good recently, especially over these last couple of weeks. He's inside the top 75 players. Even if you're just trying to ride the hot hand, uh, he is definitely somebody to be looking at. I, I'm a big fan of Tovar. I've always been a big fan of Tovar. And I think that you should be taking a look probably in 12-team leagues. That's where I would start. I don't know if he's a 10-team guy, but 12 and beyond, I can see a lot of value in Ezekiel Tovar the rest of the season. Jiwon Bay, he is kind of known as more of a steal specialist. He's not somebody that is seen as being a huge fantasy asset a lot of the time. He's batting 270 on the year. I mean, that's not nothing. That is a very good batting average. Over the last month, he's batting 297. If you're talking about, you know, you need any kind of combination of batting average and steals, he's a guy I'd look at. Second and outfield eligibility, pretty unique eligibility. I, you know, there are some guys, Jeff McNeil and a few others who do have that same eligibility, but it's not something you see every day. You're getting pretty much every day playing time. He does get the odd off day, but he's playing most days. He's stealing bases. He's got a couple of jacks, albeit none in the last month. He's not really a power guy, but you're getting good steals, good batting average, and decent run production from him as well. He's got 14 runs in the last month. 32 on the season isn't crazy, but considering he plays for the Pirates, considering he's only 37% rostered, I think that he is you know, a, a very interesting play. Not necessarily a must-roster play, but like I said, if you're looking for a little bit of boost in your steals and the batting average departments, he's somebody that I would be looking at. Lamont Wade. Lamont Wade has been really good, and people are dropping him on Yahoo. They've dropped him down from 45% down to 42%. I don't really understand it. He plays pretty much every single day. He's actually out of the lineup today. He's not playing against the lefty, so he'll be hitting the bench. I still think that what he does is very valuable. He's a very well-rounded fantasy player, even if he doesn't play against lefties. I honestly don't really care because the advice I give is generally geared towards, like I mentioned you know, a million times, Yahoo and ESPN leagues. Almost all of those are daily change leagues. Some of you it might be in weekly leagues on Yahoo. It, it, there are You can't do that. But I think most of you are in daily change leagues. If you have a guy, Lamont Wade, who's first and outfield eligible, who when he plays, he leads off for the Giants. They're not an amazing team. But any leadoff hitter in Major League Baseball is worthy of a roster spot for your fantasy teams. It doesn't matter who they are, if they're playing for Oakland, playing for Texas. It doesn't matter. They are, they are valuable, especially in a daily change league. He's given you decent power this year, eight home runs. He's got a couple steals. He's batting 273. And over the last couple of weeks, he's batting 308 still. It's not like he's really come down a lot from that early season number. I mean, he was a hot ad earlier in the season. I guess people were expecting more than what we've got from him, but a 270-plus average. He's got 52 runs in RBIs combined, eight homers, a couple steals. I think there's a lot of value there. I really do. He's not somebody that I'd look at in the more shallow leagues because there are just a ton of value there, but <coughs> excuse me, guys. I do think that he does have a ton of value if you're talking even a 12-team league and beyond specifically for daily changes, because weekly lineups can be kind of a bitch if he is going to sit against lefties a few times, but it's generally not the case. He's generally playing most days. Most starting pitchers are right-handed, and he is going to play most of the time in the leadoff spot for San Francisco. So another guy to look at there, more so if you need, not necessarily looking for like a power hitter, but he's going to give you more power than a guy like Baywood, fewer steals with a similar kind of batting average. It really does depend on your team needs, but I do think Lamont Wade does have a lot of value, and I think he's an interesting guy to take a look at. 
Now, I mentioned him uh, earlier in the show when we are talking about second base guys, Mauricio Dubon. Mauricio Dubon has been excellent. He's tied for fifth in the American League in the batting race. He's batting 300 on the season. Not a tiny sample size either. We're looking at more than 200 at-bats. He's got a couple homers. He's got five stolen bases. He's playing pretty much every day. He's got second short and outfield eligibility, and with Jordan Alvarez out, I think he's going to see pretty regular playing time. You know, He's played all over the field, and he's got that versatility. He's actually producing for you. He's in a great lineup. He's somebody that I have a lot of interest in. Mauricio Dubon, second short and outfield. He's only 28% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. He's somebody where you got to be taking a look, right? In that lineup, he's been leading off. Leading off for the Astros, like I just mentioned. If you're leading off for anybody, you got some value. You're leading off for a team like the Astros, you have a ton of value, especially with the eligibility, with the way he's been producing. It's not like he's just some asshole who's leading off here. No, he has been really, really good. So definitely somebody that I would be taking a look at, regardless of your league size. I think even in a 10-team league, Dubon, given everything that I just said, can be an asset regardless of your format. I really do. I want to highlight a name here just to keep an eye on. He's not like a must-add kind of player, but just somebody that I do want to highlight and just shout out because he's been really, really good. Most of you probably haven't even heard of him, Chris Devensky. He is a relief pitcher for the Angels. He's only 8% rostered in Yahoo Leagues, and I can understand if you've never heard of him before. He's pitching really well this year. He's got a 271 XFIP and a 234 Sierra. Those are essentially, if you're unfamiliar, those are pitching indicators. They are, tell you what generally is the quality of the pitches being thrown is the best way I can put it. It kind of removes the things that are out of the pitcher's control from the equation, defense and park and blah, blah, blah. And it just looks at the actual performance. 271 XFIP and a 234 Sierra are really good. It's a 201 ERA for him on the season. He's striking out 29% of batters, which is excellent. He's yet to walk a batter, and that has led to a .49 whip. He has shown incredible control so far this season. Now, I would be willing to bet a lot of money that he is going to walk a batter so at some point this season. But he has been so good. He's been so good in that role. And he's never been a huge walk guy. He's always had you know pretty good walk numbers in the minor leagues, in the major leagues. I, you know, he's... For the career, 6.1% walk rate. So it's not going to be bad, even if, you know, it won't be zero, but it'll still be a pretty decent uh, walk rate, I think, by the end of the season. And the whip will go up, but I think that you're looking at a guy who could be kind of a diamond in the rough here. You're talking holds leagues, you're talking whatever kind of leagues. I think that he can have some value. He's a borderline top 25 player this last month. He's won three games recently, which, yes, there's a randomness to that, but sometimes you see these relievers. Like last year, Adam Simber had 10 wins. Sometimes you just see that, and there's a pattern where you know, relievers are getting a lot of victories. He might be one of those guys where he can sneak his way into a 10-win season. I don't necessarily expect that. I'm not forecasting that. But it's definitely in the cards. If he keeps pitching the way he does, he's been really, really lights out. Every time he goes out there, usually more than an inning, he's giving you two or three Ks. I like what he does. I really like him. Not not advocating for an ad yet in, in your shallower formats, but just somebody to keep an eye on. Chris Devensky, D-E-V-E-N-S-K-I, relief pitcher for the Angels. Only 8% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. There definitely could be some value there. Now, before I let you guys go, I do want to talk about one of my favorite pitchers. You guys have heard me talk about him a number of times on the pod, on Twitter, going back to last year. It's Braxton Garrett. Braxton Garrett has been excellent recently. If you look at the last month, he started six games, 32 innings. You know, he's going deep in the games, which is very good. If you look at his ERA, it's 225. His FIP is 268. His XFIP, 235. His Sierra is 2.72. All those indicators being below three, very, very, very good sign. You want to see that. If you're seeing really low ERAs and you're seeing, you know, four plus XFIP numbers, you're seeing, okay, the guy's getting a little bit lucky. 
it looks like Braxton Garrett is earning what he is doing, and I think a lot of that is the strikeouts. He's striking out 33.3% of batters. One in every three batters comes to the plate. He's striking them out. Walk rate only at 5.7%, which has led to a .88 whip. The opposing average is 183. He's done really, really well over this last month. His next start comes against the Nationals, who, like Mike Curland pointed out, and by the way, just a congrats to Mike Curland, who is leading the overall in the main event, if you guys follow along with any of the NFBC content. Mike Curland, he's been on the show. He's a good friend. He is a very knowledgeable mind when it comes to lineups. He is excellent. He's an excellent follow on Twitter, at Mike underscore Curland. He was saying that the Nats are sneaky good against left-handed pitchers, but we're still throwing him out there. Like we're, we're still throwing out Braxton Garrett based on how good he has been. He has been excellent. 35% rostered in Yahoo Leagues does not cut it. He needs to be shooting up those boards for when he faces the Nationals later this week. He is, I don't know how much he is overperforming because I don't think he's this good consistently, but it appears that he has generally earned the results he's gotten recently, and that's enough for me to say, okay, you're gonna. St- I would stream him at this week pretty much against any team if you needed help. But the fact that it's the Nationals, that's a really good matchup. Even though they're pretty good against lefties, like Mike pointed out, uh, you know the performance recently we've seen from him is so good where I think that you kind of have to be adding him if you have a spot if you're if there's an availability in your lineup. He's been fantastic for the season. His ERA still sits at 4.10, and it mostly comes from that one game. I highlighted this earlier in the year on Twitter that he had a game against the Braves where he allowed, I think it was like 11 or 12 earned runs, and it just ballooned his ERA. But even with that start, a 4.10 ERA, a 126 whip, he's been really good. He was really good last year. I am buying all in on Braxton Garrett. If you even if you don't want to buy in fully and say maybe he's just getting lucky or whatever. It's a very nice streaming opportunity against the Nationals later this week. So definitely somebody to look into adding before there's a frenzy the day of or day before. Somebody, if you can afford to, I would think about stashing him on your bench. Guys, that's going to wrap it up for me. I appreciate all of you hanging out here. As always, you can shoot me any questions you got on Twitter at JoeOrico99, J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Ethos Fantasy BB is where you get all of our podcasts, articles, content, everything else. And sportsethos.com. That is where you find literally all of it. That is the mothership page. That's where you get all the stuff right at the source without having to go find links or anything. If you want, you can go right to the website and you see all of our new content there. Guys, tomorrow, like I've mentioned over these last few weeks, is Tuesday. It is my busy, busy work day where I don't get home until usually about 7 o'clock once I sit through traffic for an hour. And we're doing mailbags. We've been doing mailbags on Tuesday. And part of that also is because I haven't been as active with the Twitter questions over this last month. If you guys followed along on Twitter, there was a lot of stuff going on in my life, and I wasn't able to to be actively answering those questions the way I'd love to. So that's kind of my way of making up right here as well, is doing these Tuesday mailbags. So I'm going to tweet that out late tonight, early tomorrow at some point, and we're going to talk about all your questions that you got regarding anything fantasy baseball-wise. We're going to get to all of those. Again, I'll remind you guys, try and keep it to redraft. I am not a dynasty expert whatsoever. When you guys start throwing around dynasty salary cap questions with OBP and it's a point format, oh, my God. I love you guys, but those questions do stump me because it's just not the format that I tend to focus on. So let's get some redraft questions into the chats tomorrow, and we'll get through as many of those as we can. Hopefully, we'll get through all of them. But, guys, once again, I really appreciate all you hanging out. Talk on Twitter. Talk in the Discord. Leave your reviews and notes in the podcast app, wherever it is that you listen, Google, Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you listen that allows reviews. I really appreciate that. And enjoy your evening, guys. Enjoy your evening with some baseball. Until tomorrow, I hope you have a great night. Cheers.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.